You are listening to the Life Coach School podcast with Brooke Castillo, episode number 91. Welcome to the Life Coach School podcast, where it's all about real clients, real problems, and real coaching. And now your host, Master Coach Instructor, Brooke Castillo. Hey, everyone. How are you guys doing? I'm so excited today to share one of my most amazing master coaches, colleagues and friends, Andrea Hansen. She is such a pro at everything she does. When I teach master coach training, the master coaches have to turn in projects to me and hers was so unbelievably excellent and amazing. I'm still thinking about it (laughs) years later. She's just written a great book called The Inside Guide to MS. She works specifically with people who have the diagnosis of MS, but she's also fantastic with anybody who has a diagnosis that they're grappling with and having any kind of challenges with. You can find out more about her at andreahansencoaching.com. I'll put it in the show notes. This interview, I'm recording this intro after I've done the interview. The interview is just fantastic. I think that you will see how incredibly smart and amazingly compassionate Andrea is in all of her work. So it's really a treat to have her on the show. Please enjoy. Hey, Andrea, so happy to have you on the podcast today. So we're going to start, I've given an intro already and kind of told everyone how fabulous you are. So no pressure. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that I'd like to start with is just having you introduce yourself a little bit and tell us a little bit about your story and how you came to be a coach and what you're up to now. All right. I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis when I was very young. It was in the year 2000. I was 22 years old. And when I got the diagnosis, I happened to be in graduate school. And I almost immediately had the, I can't do that. I can't be in school when I have MS. I have to take care of myself. I've got to go out and you know, to earn good money and get insurance and kind of this type A, I've got this, you know, took over. And so I left my program and I went to go work in finance, business management, which at the time in 2000, there was a big bubble and that was what was very, uh, you know, had a lot of money. And so I went to work and I got a really good paycheck. And on paper, I looked fantastic. I had a great job. I had a great income. I, you know, I was 22. I was living in uptown Dallas and hanging out with my friends and going out all the time and, and, you know, all this kind of stuff. But the thing is on the inside, it was a very different story. I was a little bit miserable. I actually was having a lot of relapses and I was feeling a lot of just guilt about having MS and fear about what it meant for my future, you know, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, what was my life going to look like? Mm-hmm. Um, what were my abilities going to look like? Okay, and, so wait, let me interrupt you for just a second yeah. here because I know there's probably some people that are listening that have no idea what MS even is. Oh, yeah. And so maybe we could just do like a little short description of what it meant when you got that diagnosis? Did you know what it was? What did you learn about it? Sure. Yeah. When I got the diagnosis, I had no idea what it was. 
I went in because I was losing eyesight and I had thought it was a detached retina. Mm. (laughs) I don't know why. It's not like I really understood what that was either, but I had no idea. And it turns out what MS is, it's an autoimmune disorder Mm -hmm. where your immune system, when it gets excited, when it has, you know, feels like it has to fight an infection, it goes way overboard. And when it goes way overboard, what it does is it starts to attack the body instead of attacking what other pathogens are in your, in your body uh, mm-hmm. causing the illness. And so when it attacks your body for MS specifically, it attacks your neurons and it attacks what's called the myelin on your neurons. And so it's kind of that lubricant that makes your neurons fire really quickly. It's mm-hmm. why when you think about walking and you walk, it, it, it happens immediately mm-hmm. because of that myelin. And so when you have multiple sclerosis, your immune system is attacking that myelin. Mm -hmm. And so it slows down that process. Mm -hmm. And so anything in your central nervous system is affected with multiple sclerosis. So why was it affecting your eyes? How did that work? So it can affect you with your nerves. And so with your eye, you can get, it's very common to get something called optic neuritis, which means the, the nerve in your eye is inflamed. And when you're, you're, the nerve in your eye is inflamed, your eyesight gets fuzzy or shuts down. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And so, so when you went into the doctor, how, how did they mm-hmm. test for it? How did they know you had it? So it's something that I, you know, I went in because I, coincidentally, I had poked myself in the eye, <laughs> which is why I thought I had detached my retina, <laughs> which by the way, is not a great thing to have either. It's yeah, not exactly. like a detached retina is awesome by any means. And so I just went into a regular doctor and she looked at my eye and kind of it, it, my story of I poked myself in the eye and now I can't see to just a normal ophthalmologist wasn't adding up. She was like, I don't see, you certainly didn't detach your retina. I don't see anything in there. Mm. And so she called in a neuro-ophthalmologist and the neuro-ophthalmologist was the one who made the connection. And then mm-hmm. called in, I, you know, I went to, you know, like down the line of all these specialists right. when I was diagnosed and um, ended up with my MS specialist who knew immediately okay. what it was. Okay. Yeah. So you got this diagnosis. And one of the things I want to talk about later, because I, I think this can be relatable to a lot of people. I'm sure we have people that have MS that are listening, people that mm-hmm. know people that have it. But Also, I think this can apply and your journey and what you teach can apply to any diagnosis, right? Any unexpected diagnosis that comes into your life and how you manage it. So go ahead and tell us the rest of your story. You're good on paper. (laughs) Great on paper. Okay. I'm crappy on the inside. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I think a lot of us can relate to that. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And so I thought, as I think also people can relate to, I thought in order to feel better, I had to change my circumstances. I was looking at what I was doing. I certainly didn't love working in finance. It wasn't my wheelhouse. I was just doing it for the money. And so I was thinking, okay, well, maybe if I change my job, things will get better. Mm-hmm. Maybe if I you know, stop dating and get more of a serious relationship, then things will get better. Right. <laughs> so I, I kind of looked at everything that was going on and I was thinking, I feel really crappy because my circumstances aren't quite right yet. So let's change some of those. And I got a, you know, one of these books that basically is, is supposed to help you learn your passion, <laughs> learn what it is you're supposed yes. to do with your life. Cause if I just found my passion, I would be happy. And I realized it was a book by a coach. And I realized that 
that's what I wanted to do. Like Mm -hmm. it just really lit something up inside of me. And what it really taught me was these ideas that, you know, if you're aware of what you're thinking, Mm -hmm. you can change how you're feeling. You can change the direction. You can change the results. You know, one of the books I went to very quickly, I, you know, I had the Byron Katie and I had the Eckhart Tolle and then I found your book as well. Mm-hmm. So going into the self-coaching one-on-one model and I started to really think about it and realize, wait a second, if I change how I'm thinking about my job, if I change how I'm thinking about my dating situation, if I change where I'm thinking about my disease, Mm -hmm. I feel differently. And it's not like that kind of stuff happened overnight, but it really sparked something. And yes, I did end up, you know, going into a different field. I did end up going back and finishing my master's program, Mm -hmm. um, which was human development, something that's very far from finance. But I really started to practice that awareness of what I was thinking and how I was feeling. And it just opened that door to understanding that I can change how I feel by changing what I'm thinking and understanding that when I feel things like, you know, guilty because I have to opt out of, you know, an engagement because Mm -hmm. I was tired and I just, you know, I knew it was too much. That guilt wasn't caused by my MS. You know, the feeling, you know, afraid of what my future was going to look like because, you know, a disease will, you know, will progress with you. That fear was not caused by my disease. Okay, so I think this is huge point. I think this is something that we can all like conceptualize, but putting into practice is a lot more challenging. So let's create this scenario where we're kind of relating these ideas of thoughts, right? So you get a diagnosis. So for me, I work with a lot of weight loss clients, right? So a lot of what I deal with is, you know, a pre-diabetic insulin resistance, diabetic diagnosis. And there's that moment where what we call the circumstance, right? The fact is the diagnosis. You have mm-hmm. MS. And then there's this magical part where you get to decide what you're going to make that mean. You're going to decide <laughs> what you think about that. You're going to decide now that you have this diagnosis, which is factual and you can't really debate it, although we try sometimes, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And what, okay, so now what are we going to do about it? And what we think about it, what we feel about it, what we do about it determines our experience Mm -hmm. with that disease. And that's why there are so many people that have MS that have completely different experiences of having it. It's the same with diabetes. It's the same with obesity. It's the same with cancer. So can you speak to that process of maybe getting the diagnosis or even having it and really kind of thinking about how you think about it? Right. Well, and I would say even we need to back it up because you get your diagnosis, but the diagnosis given is given to you not in the framework of here's your diagnosis. You can think what you want. Right. <laughs> you can feel how you want. Right. This is not how a diagnosis is. Or to you. how you think about this and what you yeah. do next really matters. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. right. I'm going to have my expectations. You need to, right. You don't get any of that. You right. get 
here's your diagnosis. Yeah. Be afraid because this is all the crap that can happen. Yes. And it's almost this shock and awe trying to, you know, cause they want you to, you know, they have your, you know, your, whatever healthcare worker you're working with that's handing your diagnosis, they want the best for you, but mm-hmm. they don't necessarily understand that how you think about it is going to affect your reality. They just want you to do what they know will help you. Yes. And will help your diagnosis. And so sometimes it's almost like this shock and awe, like you must be very afraid. So you have to, you know, you have to do all these things or else your MS will or your, you know, diabetes or mm-hmm. your cancer will take over. Yes. And so it's quite often from the get go discussed as something that is in control mm. and something that can control how you're feeling and your, you know, your experience in life. Right. And so your very first step, you have to really know to separate from that. You know, that's what it took me eight years to do, nine years to do, to realize, wait a second, I don't have to take on what they think. I don't have to take on their expectations of what's going to happen to me. I can decide. And I can decide what I think about this. Just because they think I will suffer from this diagnosis, it doesn't mean I will suffer. Yes. from this diagnosis. And that was a huge thing to realize. And it can be hard because when you're working, especially with healthcare professionals, when you're getting a diagnosis, they are the authority figure. Right. And a lot of times when you're in that position, especially when you're just getting diagnosed and you're scared and you don't always, you can be like me and you don't really know even what they're talking about. All of a sudden you feel like, you know, this little kid, like, okay, just tell me, tell me what this means. Tell me, you know, what's going on. And so a lot of times what it means to them Mm -hmm. is that it's going to control how you feel right? like emotionally. Right. So there has to be that conscious choice to understand and to practice that having a diagnosis does not mean you have to feel a certain way. Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing that I think is interesting about a diagnosis. And of course you guys, if you don't have a diagnosis of anything, you can apply it to anything. Someone tells you that they don't want to be your friend anymore. You get fired from a job. Any life event that you don't have control over that you're not planning on is you can ask yourself this question. You can say, okay, this is the reality of my life right now, but I get to decide what I want to think about it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that decision in that moment changes everything because we can't control that you have the diagnosis, but we can control whether you make it worse with your thinking or better with your thinking. I think that's so, so important. Okay. So once you discovered all of this coaching material, you started learning the power of your mind. It really helped you with, it sounds like with the MS Mm -hmm. and then what? Well, then I, you know, I went back and I finished my degree and I started to transition out of that finance Mm -hmm. role because I knew even, you know, even with getting very clear on the fact that it's not making me feel anything, I still realized once I had that clarity that it wasn't what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And so I made that choice to transition away from it. And I went towards coaching. And so I opened my business and Mm -hmm. I went and I learned from you. I went first to weight coaching Mm -hmm. and then into master coaching and I had the pleasure of working with the National MS Society for a little bit. They had a program where they were doing career coaching. And so I partnered with them and did that. And I was was also um, 
just getting more and more clients with multiple sclerosis and not so much with weight coaching. And so mm-hmm. I kind of watched my business transition. Um, and so now I'm working a lot with people who have a diagnosis mm-hmm. and I am helping them to understand that thought model and understand how much control they have over their symptoms mm-hmm. with their diagnosis um, and over you know how their diagnosis progresses and how their diagnosis affects them on a daily basis. And right. it really helps just to get them back to really just living their life instead of living their diagnosis. Because a lot of times we feel like if we have a big change like this, any big change, mm-hmm. it has to consume us. We have to do it. You know, we have to think about it and we, and we really don't. So give me like, what are the top three worst symptoms you think that come along with MS? Oh gosh. So there's three basic ways that MS can affect you. Okay. It can, can affect you with your, you know, with your walking, with your, you know, your motor ability. Okay. So some people, not, not all by any means, mm-hmm. not even most, but mm-hmm. some people can lose the ability to walk. Okay. Um, it can affect things like your, really it's, it's any muscles, any like your vocal cords. So it can affect the, you know, speaking. Okay. It can also affect you cognitively. Okay. And so... That can affect anything from executive functioning, which is kind of planning and understanding, okay, I do this first, and then I do something next, and then I do something, you know, and, and understanding kind of the, the ways you um, go about getting something done. And it could be something as simple as making dinner. Okay. It can affect memory, certainly. It can affect, you know, being able to recall a word when you're talking So, and it can affect you sensory wise. And so you can be in pain, you can have stabbing pains, you can have numbness, you can have, um, a lot of people will have like a pins and needles kind of feeling. So it's the central nervous system affects a lot (laughs) in our bodies. Right. And there's kind of a scale of, you know, not really doing anything to really affecting, you know, to where you're not really able to speak, you're not really able to feel, you know, different parts of your body. Okay. It can get severe, but it's not in most people by any means. So the reason I asked you that is because I want to kind of be one of these clients. And this is what I can hear people saying is like, listen, I have stabbing pain. I can barely walk. I'm having a hard time remembering things. And you're telling me that, Mm -hmm. oh, I can just have happy thoughts about this and just think positively and it will all be fine. Right? Like what, how do you speak to clients that come to you that are mm-hmm. under a tremendous amount of stress and are feeling, you know, really at the mercy of, mm-hmm. you know, their disease. And in many ways, those are the circumstances of their life. How do you help someone that, that's in mm-hmm. that space? So when there's someone in that space and, you know, b- by the way, I think people don't have to be that severe mm-hmm. to still have that same thought of right. how could this possibly be, you know, that I can feel this way? Like, how can I not think? And it could be that their, their symptoms are a lot less severe. Right. Um, they can still have that same mindset. And what the very, very first thing that needs to happen when I'm working with these people is really getting clear on the difference between your circumstance and what you're thinking mm. about your circumstance. Mm-hmm. Really getting clear on what the facts are mm-hmm. and what you're thinking about those facts. Because just separating those two things out can have a huge effect 
on your stress because yes, you have a, you know, let's say the, the circumstances I have pain in my leg. Mm -hmm. When you just think about that circumstance, like I have pain in my leg, it's a pretty neutral thing. But when people look at their thoughts about the pain in their leg, it's, you know, MS is awful and it's never going to get better and I can't do anything. And this makes me, you know, people are looking at me. Mm. People don't, you know, don't think I'm normal. I can't be normal. It's all of these thoughts that are very, very, very painful thoughts Mm -hmm. that don't necessarily have much to do with the actual pain itself. Right. They're making that actual pain mean all of this stuff about how they can't be a normal person anymore. They can't be accepted anymore, how they're never going to get better. That's a big one. It's never going to end. Yeah. Um, and all of these things, as you know, we know, can help you feel, well, can make you feel helpless. Right. And you, we can quite often, you know, this, this cycle of kind of learned helplessness gets in, you know, when you live with those thoughts, you think it's the pain that's doing it, right. but really it's what you're thinking. And then you start to think like, what's the use? Like, why even try? Why even, you know, right. why even bother to get better? Nothing's going to work, right? And it, you just have this nice little belief system of nothing's going to work, never going to get better, and you blame it on the pain. Yes. But once you start looking at those thoughts and working with those and really understanding those and loosening them up, so to speak, you realize that the pain really is just the pain. Mm. And, you know, by the way, there's a whole bunch of things to do to minimize your pain just with, you know, using your mind and using relaxation techniques and things like that. And so just separating those two things out is a massive first step that I do, especially when people are really holding on to it. Yes. And the other thing I've noticed a lot that I think is so fascinating is how much we argue with our pain right? And we argue with our diagnosis and we argue with the circumstances of our life because we feel like they're unfair and they shouldn't be happening to us. And, you know, what did I do to have this horrible thing? And all that energy we spend arguing with it. And I love what Byron Katie says. She says, you know, you can argue with it, but you're always going to, you know, you only lose 100% of the time, right? When you argue (laughs) with reality. And I think there's this magic that comes with making peace with what you cannot change. And I think that gives you so much empowerment to think about really genuinely what you can, because there's a lot of things you can't change with MS, right? You can't change the diagnosis. You have it. You can't change it. But there's a wide range of things that you can with most diagnosis to make make that huge difference. Absolutely. And so I think that's so important. So tell me, like you talked about stress being like a really huge part of this for people, as I can imagine. How do you work with yourself and with your clients when it comes to having a disease and dealing with stress? I mean, people that don't have a disease have a hard time dealing with stress. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So you add the disease in. How do what what are some of the things that you do with your clients? Well, one of them is definitely around kindness Mm. because a lot of times I think, you know, especially when you're working with people who, you know, like me and like a lot of my clients, they're professionals. They're not going to quit their job. They're not, they don't see how they can change anything in their life because they're making an income and, and quite often a really good income and how can they possibly. And so when they're told to slow down, Mm. it's like, what are you even talking about? And it gets kind of a bad rap. Mm -hmm. And so one of the ways I work with people around stress is understanding how you can slow down without 
necessarily changing your circumstance. Mm. There's a lot of ways that we can slow down in how we treat ourselves, how much we push ourselves to do something. A lot of times we're very, very brutal Mm -hmm. to ourselves about what we should be doing and what it means if we don't do it. Mm -hmm. And just that alone can cause so much stress. And that all that is, is just how you're treating yourself. It's got nothing to do with what you're doing. So that's a big part of it. It's really looking at how you're talking to yourself, your, the kindness factor. Mm-hmm. And another big part of it is... Wait, before we move on from that, I, oh, just, yeah? I, I can just hear people rolling their eyes. Like, <laughs> listen, I have MS. I have to work full time. I have to support my family. Yes. This kindness thing is kind of BS. But here's what people don't realize. I think some of us don't even realize in our own lives is how much when we are constantly rattling negativity in our own brain, how much stress that causes in and of itself. And so we'll think, well, I have to quit my job so I don't have this stress when really the stress isn't created by the job. It's created by all of the thinking around it. And I think kindness is just taking the thoughts that are so stress producing and putting them in a much more compassionate way and how much stress that can reduce seems, it seems like kindness. You know what I mean? I think when people talk about kindness, they think it's just like, Oh, it's such a nice little thing to do. Right. Instead of no, your life really does depend on it. Your, Mm -hmm. how you feel, how strung out you feel really does depend on you taking time to be compassionate with yourself. So Mm I really think that's an important people say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll be kind. Okay. I'll be nice. I'll be nice to myself. Right. And, and then they roll their eyes and they don't actually do it. And I just want to make sure that we're making the point like, no, really, it really Really. matters. You can be sitting in your chair, not doing a thing and stress yourself out like crazy just because of what you're thinking in your head. And the reason why it stresses you out is because we can be brutal. And when you're so hard on yourself Mm -hmm. all the time and you're pushing yourself to keep going, 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 that is what's creating the stress. It's not what you're doing. It's not your job. You don't have to quit your job. You have to change how you're thinking about your job and thinking about what you should be doing or shouldn't be doing. Right. And ultimately, I think people think, you know, I think about this idea of like the secret, oh, I'll just think my way to happiness. But really, (laughs) when you change the way you're thinking about your job and your disease, it changes what you do and how you do it. So I think people think, oh, so so for example, if I have a full-time job and I'm making a lot of good money and I'm very successful at my job, what I may hear you saying when you say, be kinder to yourself, think about what you're thinking, what I may think the effect of that will be is me working less and me Mm -hmm. being less productive and me not getting as much done. And the exact opposite is what I have found to be true. When you remove all the negativity, when you remove all of the, the garbage that's in the brain, you can be much more clear and focused and productive and get so much more done. So Mm -hmm. you're actually more effective. Yes. Yes. And I think a part of you know, why stress, you know, stress, like you said, it affects everybody. And really Mm -hmm. it's, it's not anything that you're doing differently because you have MS. It's just more, there's more at stake because you have MS. But when you're stressing out, you physically are tenser, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it translates to your entire body. 
So that's another thing that happens when you change your thinking and you stop, you know, being so hard on yourself like that, like actually practice stop being hard on yourself. You are relaxed both mentally, but also physically. Yes. And that allows you to do so much more. And it helps you when you have some kind of a a disease or chronic illness that Mm -hmm. affects your body. Yes, absolutely. I think a good way for anyone thinking about this and it's like, how do I apply this? How do I apply this? I have a disease. I don't know how to apply this. Ask yourself this question. Why am I stressed? And the answer always needs to be because of the way I'm thinking. When I ask my clients, why are you stressed? The answer is typically, well, I had a rough day. My job is tough. My disease, I have symptoms. I have things going on, right? That's never the correct answer. Stress is caused, and I'm talking about emotional stress, is caused by the way you're thinking about something, period. Mm -hmm. And if you remember that, I think then it'll be much easier to really pay close attention and apply kindness. I think that's such a beautiful way of of thinking about it and talking about it. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that you talk about in your book, which the inside guide to MS is amazing. And I'll definitely link to that in the show notes for those of you who want to check it out. And I, I loved reading. I thought it was such a fantastic book. And I thought that even though I don't have MS, I learned so much from it. People have said that to me about like my weight loss book. Like I don't even need to lose weight and I learned so much. And I feel mm-hmm. the same way about your book. There's so many gems of wisdom in there. But one of the things you talk about is honesty and how important it is. And I, lo- I think the title of that chapter was the truth about honesty. So can you talk a, <laughs> yeah. a little bit about about that and why you think that that's so important? Yes. Whenever you're uh, diagnosed, especially, but whenever you have, you know, that there's that big news that's unexpected, mm-hmm. we can tend to go into denial. Mm-hmm. On one front, denial is actually a defense mechanism. It helps you process mm-hmm. and it's not a bad thing. But a lot of times what happens is denial is prolonged. And it can kind of be in stages. So for me, for instance, when I had MS, I immediately went on disease-modifying drugs. I immediately did things like working out and looking at my diet. So I immediately put things in place. But I was still in denial about what it really meant to have MS. I was in denial about how I wanted to change my life to be healthier. I was in denial about just how afraid I was about my future with MS. I was really, really scared. And I kind of went into this mode that a lot of people do, which is I just have to keep going. Because if I, if I keep going, then I don't have time to sit and think about it. I don't have time to, to think about how scared I am. Mm-hmm. And so it moves us into this type of denial where like, yeah, technically we're doing stuff. So we're not completely ignoring the fact that we have MS but or a disease. But we're in denial about what we're thinking of it. We're in denial about how afraid we are. And so one of the biggest things that I did with my MS is really face what I was thinking, really be honest with myself Mm. about what I was thinking about my diagnosis, what I was thinking about my future, what I was making it mean all of those really scary things. I was just a hundred percent honest with myself. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, we feel like if we're not thinking about the fear and we're not thinking about how, you know, af- afraid we are of something, it's, it helps us. 
Mm. It helps us to move forward. It helps us to keep going. And really, even just, you know, the act of being in denial about something when, especially when it's, you know, four or five, eight years after your diagnosis, that is very, very stressful and very hurtful to us because it's almost like you're trying to trick your brain. (laughs) You're trying to tell your brain that it's not happening. And it's, of course, you know, of course, you know, you have this whole big, you know, part that you don't look at, but you know, it's there. And so that part of honesty really uncovers it. It's such an amazing point. I hear this a lot from people where they'll say, can't you just use the model? Can't you just work on your thoughts to stay in denial about something? Right. Mm -hmm. And so the, so I love what you're saying, how it's so important to tell yourself the truth and understand what your truth is and understand what you're thinking. It doesn't mean that you don't have the option of changing that truth if you want to, but what we're suggesting is covering it up and pretending that it's not there and lying to yourself about it is the opposite of what we're saying. So the example that I gave was of the woman who's like, oh, I'll just think positively about the pain in my leg. I love pain in my leg. Pain in my leg is wonderful, right? And that's the opposite of telling yourself the truth, right? Telling yourself the truth is there's pain in my leg and I'm making it mean that this is the end of the world and that my life is over Mm -hmm. and really understanding. Yes, I'm afraid, but not making fear or a negative emotion or a genuine true emotion mean something that it doesn't mean, right? Right. It just means that you're having an emotion and, and telling yourself the truth and not being in denial about all of it. Right. Because I think we want to get to the point where, oh, I'm always thinking positive thoughts all the time and I never have negative thoughts anymore. And you know, that's not honest and it's not useful. Right. So I love what you're saying about that. I think that's so key. Yeah. I mean, it's super important because a lot of times we don't do this, especially when you're looking at a, you know, something that you're deeming a huge circumstance. We don't do it because we feel like we're going to be stuck there. Like I don't want to sit and really verbalize. Like I really sat and verbalized how afraid I was Mm -hmm. that I, you know, was going to lose this function Mm-hmm. Or how afraid I was really. I mean, when you followed it down, I was going to become a bag lady because right. of everything. That's what and happens to everyone. It doesn't matter everyone. what the diagnosis is. <laughs> exactly. You're going to end up on the side of the road in yes. a van <laughs> with a yeah, cart. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's so true. But, but really, I mean, verbalizing that is so important because the first thing you realize, the first thing you realize is it's not actually happening. Right. It's not actually happening. Whatever it is that you are so afraid of that you don't, you know, you can't bear to look at isn't what's happening. And once you do look at it, it's this instant disconnection that you have. Because when you don't talk about it, you don't verbalize it, and you just let it kind of live in your brain and, Mm -hmm. you know, you push it to the back, it's very big and it's very real. Right. And the second you verbalize it and the second you, especially if you write it down, mm-hmm. there's so much, you know, there's so much in writing it down, you disconnect and you realize, you know, this is crazy. Like this is not even something that is going to happen. This mm-hmm. is not something that's happening right now. And you start to realize this is what I'm thinking. Yeah. And you realize that I am not in fact going to stay here now that I'm looking at it, now that I'm being honest about it, this fear of once I, you know, quote, go there Mm -hmm. and really feel my fear and really feel this anxiety, this fear that you're going to just, you know, get stuck there and never Mm -hmm. leave. 
you realize that that's just not true. Right. Because you get this instant disconnection and you don't even really feel as deeply about it as you thought you would. And it's just, yeah, having so, that honesty. So how magical. about your your current life and your current mm-hmm. practice and how are you managing it now? How are you feeling symptom-wise, that sort of thing? Mm-hmm. I feel great. It's been, you know, it's funny, someone was asking me the other day when my last relapse was, I think it was 2010. I can't wow. even really, <laughs> I can't even really think about it because I, you know, I honestly don't think about my MS on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to running my business, there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of things to do. And daily I have an eye on what I'm doing, an eye on my business. And then I always have one eye on me mm-hmm. and what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking and what's going on. And I am constantly looking at my thoughts. I'm constantly running models on my thoughts. I get coached mm-hmm. all the time on what's going on. And I, you know, very quick to step away if I need to. So for instance, I just had a really bad cold mm-hmm. this last, um, you know, week and I completely shut everything down. Yep. And it was hard because it's my business. And if I'm not doing something, it's not getting done. Right. But I truly put my health first. Mm-hmm. And that's not me putting my MS first. Mm. That's me putting my health first. That's such a good point. I love hearing that. As you're speaking, I'm thinking in some ways, sometimes our diagnoses can be such blessings. You know, that's how I feel about my weight struggle because it's made me much more vigilant with myself. It's really made my relationship with myself so much stronger because so many of us go through our lives just ignoring ourselves. Yeah. Right. And when you have a disease, it's much harder, especially when that when it goes ignored, it interferes with your your way of living. So I think that there are little blessings. There are. Yeah, I I truly am one of those people who say that I am I'm grateful that I've had this diagnosis. And, you know, you were talking before, there's going to be people are like, forget what are you talking about? Right, right, right. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) But it's true because you're right. I mean, I think about my life before. I was diagnosed and there was, there was nothing healthy going on there at all, <laughs> at all. And I certainly wasn't listening to my body. I didn't, I don't even think I really knew what that meant, to mm. be honest. I certainly wasn't feeling my emotions. I, you know, I wasn't doing any of it. And so, yeah, MS was the catalyst for me. MS was kind of that catalyst actually to make me listen to myself a little bit more and really tune into just, again, just being healthy because that's mm. really ultimately what helps your MS. You know, you, if you treat yourself as a healthy human, it's going to be good for your MS. Right. But not everybody, you know, you, I, there are plenty of people who have a diagnosis and continue to ignore themselves mm-hmm. and continue mm-hmm. to, ignore, even when they have the diagnosis or the illness get worse and worse right. and worse. If they're stuck in that cycle of blaming their circumstance for That's what's right. going on and they are not feeling in control then, you know, they can go a very long time ignoring what's happening and just getting worse and worse. That's such a good point. Yeah. I mean, I was reading some statistics about like 80,000 people will lose a limb due to diabetes this year. Oh my gosh. I mean, and you think you know what's causing it and you know, and you know, literally it's not that you don't want to change. It's just if you don't see how much power you really do have, if you keep, like you said, being in that blame circumstance, that can be so disempowering. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really painful. So if somebody has a diagnosis and they wanted to work with you, what's your process of working with clients? 
So the first thing I do is I have a completely free discovery session Mm -hmm. where we just talk. We find out where they are, what they're thinking about their, their diagnosis, what they're doing to help themselves and what they want their life to look like. Mm -hmm. So like you said, there's a lot of things that you want to do, but it it can be hard. You know, some of these are really big changes. Um, Doing something like starting an exercise program is no small thing. Changing your diet is no small thing. Right. And so we talk about, you know, where are you right now? What are you trying? And where do you want to be? What are the things that you want help with? And I help them get very clear because a lot of times, you know, you can be very confused. Right. Because you get a lot of advice. You get a lot Mm. of people telling you a lot of different things and it's often very contradictory. And so even when you have your, you know, your doctor who you'd think would be kind of the the main authority, it it can come across as just like, you know, so many options. Mm. What do you even do? So I help them get clear. What is it that they want to do? You know, what are the steps you can take? And then I talk about how coaching can help them. And Mm. it's from there that we decide if we're going to work together. So the very first thing is just, you know, a free phone call where we just chat and we just talk about what's going on and what they want. That's awesome. Okay, Mm -hmm. great. And then if they decide they want to work with you, what what does that process look like? So I have an eight week program. Okay. And right now it's a one-on-one program and it's all over the phone. It has, you know, there's sessions where we talk to each other one-on-one. There's, you know, we'll email during the week. I have suggestions. I have, you know, I don't like calling it homework, but things to practice right, uh, yeah. because this is a practice. This isn't just talking for, you know, an hour and then forgetting about it until next right. week. So I give them, you know, based on what it is that they want to mm-hmm. do and what they feel like they need to do, I'll give them certain different steps and different things to practice to start to really get into that a mode of being aware mm-hmm. of, you know, what they're thinking and how they're feeling and separating themselves from that blame on the circumstance. So if someone were to work with you for eight weeks, what could they expect to walk away with that they maybe don't have? So the biggest thing that I've heard feedback wise from clients is knowing what to do when things like stress and fear Mm -hmm. pop up. Mm -hmm. Because after they work with me, they understand that difference between what they're thinking and what their circumstance is. And they're walking away with that awareness of understanding like, okay, that's the fact. This is what I'm thinking. And so when something new, because, you know, we always have stress that pops up. We always have circumstances that pop up in our life. And when they walk away, they know how to handle it. They know what to do and they don't feel so out of control anymore. They also know how to create those habits mm. and, you know, that are so big, like right. exercise and diet and weight loss and things. They understand kind of the keys to making it successful, making it lasting instead of just, you know, this, this flash in the pan thing where they feel like they, you know, fall off the wagon. So they understand how to create these new habits. And, you know, the biggest thing is they just feel in control. Yeah. Again, they take that control back yeah. because I'm going to say, you know, I know this sounds like a, a generalization, but I really think that every single person that I have worked with has come to me thinking the MS is causing yes. this. Oh, I'm sure. I'm Pretty sure. Pretty much every single person. I mean, it I don't totally think I've makes had... sense. I think I would feel that way too, even though I understand all this stuff intellectually, yeah. you know, when you're in something like mm-hmm. that. Yes. And, and I would say, I think one of the most amazing gifts we can give ourselves is that that time at least once a week where we can 
kind of remove ourselves from ourselves and have a look, you Mm -hmm. know, I feel like when I work with a coach, I get to like sit with my coach and have a look at myself and see what's going on and kind of get that perspective back. And I think that's so, so powerful. So I want to encourage any of you who are interested in coaching, any of you that have had any kind of diagnosis, Andrea specializes with people with MS, but she can absolutely help you if you've had any diagnosis Mm -hmm. that you're trying to reconcile and make peace with. And you can find her at andreahansencoaching.com. I will absolutely put that in the show notes. And I encourage you to go and check out her website. And if you're at all interested, why not do the free consultation? That's such a generous offer that you do with your clients and find out more about what she does and what she can offer you. I think that would be incredibly powerful for any of you. So I just want to thank you so much for coming on today. It was so awesome. We could keep going and going and going, which we might get into trouble (laughs) if we do. But if you guys have any questions for Andrea, go ahead and take them to um, thelifecoachschool.com forward slash 91. And I will make sure that those questions get answered. So thank you so, so much. Is there anything you want to add about your website? Did I do everything right there? No, I think it's, I think it's great. Yeah. There's the website, there's a free session. They can go to Amazon and download a Kindle book for the inside guide to MS as well. Awesome. And yeah. Awesome. All right, Andrea, thank you so much for being with us today. Take care, Mama. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Life Coach School Podcast. It would be incredibly awesome if you would take a moment to write a quick review on iTunes. For any questions, comments, or coaching issues you would like to hear on the show, please visit us at www.thelifecoachschool.com.